Hi there, voice teachers. It's the Full Voice Halloween podcast, podcast number 24. We are talking about spooky vocal warm-ups. Well, actually, we're talking about helping our young singers with minor scales, minor triads, and chromatic passages. And we've got some great teacher tips on how to get more and how to put more into the warm-up part of every single vocal lesson. It's a little bit of music theory and ear training, and it's a whole lot of fun for your students. (laughs) Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast. Resources for private, classroom, and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Lowe. Oh my goodness. Hi, voice teachers. Thank you so much for joining me on our Halloween podcast. I have to thank my husband, Sean. He he redid the uh, full voice theme. And uh, I had just asked if he could put some smooth, like spooky music behind it. And he went uh, 20 steps further, completely reharmonized it and turned it into that ghoulish little theme you just heard. My favorite part is the undead choir. That's what I call my students when they don't practice the undead choir. Anyhow, uh, the month of October is a fun month in teaching studios and classrooms. Uh, the ha- the I guess it's not a holiday, but the Halloween theme provides us with some opportunities for some fun, some fun decorations, some different themes, and maybe some of the games that we play. Uh, I certainly like to dive into some Halloween-themed repertoire. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, I love to squeeze everything out of the month of October. Because after October 31st, what are we into? That's right, Christmas. Don't worry, I will ask Sean to do a Christmas theme for us. Yeah, Christmas seems to come up really, really quickly. And and I have to be truthful, I've already asked my students to start, start thinking about what they want to sing. And um, I've already reminded parents about the Christmas recital that's coming up. But I'm not ready to dive into the repertoire just yet. That's kind of my rule. After the 31st, we can talk about starting to sing our music. But right now we're just going to have some spooky fun. So this podcast ties in to our Freebie Friday download on our website. So if you have not been to thefullvoice.com and checked out our teacher resource page, every month we produce free, completely free teacher resources that you can download and use with your young singers. Now, this month, October 2016, uh, I created a spooky vocal warm-up PDF. And I did this for two very specific reasons. The first one was not that long ago, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I looked at my calendar and I went, oh, Halloween falls on a Monday. <sighs> and I teach on a Monday. And in fact, I have one of my longest teaching days on a Monday. 
And it caused me a little bit of stress because I thought, okay, usually kids want to cancel and everybody doesn't want to come in for lessons. And uh, and I and I just, if you've been following our podcasts, a few podcasts ago, I talked about how I have moved. Um, I have moved into a tuition-based uh, studio policy and uh, canceling lessons is a real drag and I don't want my students to cancel so I was determined to make the 31st a lot of fun I'm dressing up I invited the kids to wear their costumes we're gonna have a lot of fun and I wanted something to kind of get them in the mood and build up towards Halloween so the spooky vocal warm-up I thought well this is a great idea to kind of get them into the into the mood now the other reason why I created the spooky warm-up PDF, which really is just a ruse. I, I wanted a way to help my singers learn about minor scales, minor triads, and chromatic passages. Now, for those of you who prepare students for voice exams, you know that they have to sing harmonic minor scales, melodic minor scales, minor arpeggios. And that starts, depending on the uh, curriculum that you use, like that starts as, as early as level three and up. And I've always found that a little frustrating because sometimes my level threes haven't quite got to that part of their theory understanding. We haven't talked about minor key signatures or minor scales yet. So there's this, this catch-up overlap thing and I gotta explain and I gotta take some time in the lesson to try and explain why they have to sing these, these minor things. Um, minor concepts and chromatic concepts are, are challenging and not just for our young students, but for really students of all ages. Um, so when I did the spooky vocal warm-up PDF, I basically wanted a way uh, to inject a little more theory and ear training into the warm-up part of the lesson, but still make it fun. So if you haven't gone to our website and downloaded your copy of the PDF, I definitely encourage you to do that. It's a lot of fun. It's a cute little page. Um, now, before we before we dig into that actual page, I want to talk about teaching by rote. I want to just kind of put some, some thoughts there. Um, Mim and I, my partner Mim Adams, uh, my colleague, uh, we created the Full Voice Workbook series to help teachers, to assist teachers in getting more music uh, literacy, music theory, ear training, sight reading, all of those skills, important skills, into a vocal lesson. That's why we were created the Full Voice Workbook series. And um, teaching by rote historically is how a lot of us have learned to sing. Um, and that's how a lot of teachers teach. And uh, now ear skills, like having a good ear is very important as a singer. Being able to hear something and then sing it back, very important but that's only one of a whole bunch of skills that we need to have to be really good singers and to be really good musicians. And that's one thing that I was really lucky about uh, with in my um, education. I had teachers that were adamant that I did music theory. 
And they were very good at incorporating theory and ear training into my private lessons. And without that education, I would have never been able to to go to college and, and study at an advanced level. And I really owe those teachers a big, huge thank you because um, they were they they were planning ahead. They were thinking ahead, and um, I really, I really appreciate that they did that. And as a teacher, um, I, <laughs> you know, people say, well, people don't want to learn that. And that might be the case, but I've been teaching for over twenty years, and I, I have. I always get adults that come to me and never, never in a million years have I heard, in 20 years of teaching, have I heard, oh man, I'm so glad I never learned to read music. I'm so glad that I don't understand music theory. Like I'm just so relieved that I dodged that bullet. (laughs) No one ever says that. What I do hear from my adult students that come to me and what I see in a lot of the adults that come in for lessons uh, is that they, they, they have anxiety. They have anxiety because they don't have music reading skills. I've had a lot of adults say to me, I really wish I had learned to read music. They're singing in adult choirs and they don't feel comfortable when they're there because they struggle to follow the score. Just following a score, knowing where your part is and how to follow through the score. They struggle with that. And they might have really good ears. They might be able to get through, but they're not confident performers because of it. And they know it. And, they, and I always hear regrets. I wish I had done this. I wish I had never quit piano lessons. I wish my parents never let me quit piano lessons. I know you've heard that too. Piano teachers, you've heard that. Oh, I wish I never quit piano. I wish I could play piano now. So in my teaching studio, um, I, I really try to put a lot of focus on understanding the language of music in each and every lesson. I think it's important. Um, and I think, that, uh, I think that students will stay with you longer for a couple of reasons. One, they're more engaged in the lesson because you're giving them more information. And two, they're able to continue at the intermediate and advanced level because they have the music skills to do so. There are my two, I guess I'm trying to encourage you. That's my inspiration. Don't hesitate to put more information into your vocal lessons. It's it just that that whole excuse, well, it's a singing lesson. Mm, I, I don't buy that. You can do better than that. So um, now we're talking about uh, putting more in a lesson. So sneaking more content into a lesson. Sometimes you have to be sneaky about it. And uh, the first tip that I would have for you when you're doing technical exercises, when you're doing the warm up part, um, instead of just putting them beside your keyboard or your piano and letting them sing, uh, I, I recommend that you put the music in front of them. Let them see the exercise that they are working on. Um, they might not know all everything about it. They might not understand it completely. But that's where you start. You put the music in front of them and then you ask questions. And just like our piano colleagues, you can start with simple concepts like steps and skips. Is this exercise moving in steps or skips? 
And for our older students, we can talk about accidentals. So if you're looking at the spooky vocal warm-up PDF, the first exercise is just a, a, a minor five-note scale. And there's an, we didn't use a key signature. We used an accidental. So I like to ask them, what is that accidental? What is an accidental? What does that accidental do? And then we might talk a little bit about what it looks like on the piano. Sometimes I just like to see where my students are at. Do you see any symbols that you don't understand? And because I'm always trying to get their focus back onto the page, I have a cup of colorful uh, markers, uh, really fine-tipped markers. And I don't let them mark in their repertoire music with markers, only pencil. But for this page or any activity sheets that I give them, I encourage them, and in their full voice workbooks, I encourage them to take, choose a color of the day, so for our spooky vocal warm-ups, I ask them to pick the spookiest color. And then I ask them to circle the accidental. And then we talk about it. And then we play it. And this, this gets them not just warmed up uh, with their voices, but it gets them thinking. I believe a really good vocal warm-up includes getting their minds thinking and looking and asking questions. And that's really important. I know from my experience as a young singer, um, and I had wonderful teachers, but when I was set up beside the piano and told to sing across the room, my mind wandered. My mind wandered something awful. And uh, I'd still, to this day, my very first voice teacher, um, Donna Travanovich, I would look out the, the window of her living room, and across the street there was a church. And I don't know what uh, the church's name is, but I do remember that it had this crazy steep, steep roof. And while I was singing my technical exercises, I used to imagine what it would be like to toboggan down the roof of that church. <laughs> That's what I used to think when I was supposed to be thinking about my breathing, my vowels, my voice. So uh, sometimes when we, we put a little bit more information in front of our students, we can get them in the moment and present. Now, my other teacher tip, when we're dealing with um, warm-ups and technical exercises, I always ask them to look and listen. And I want, I encourage them to describe the sound. There's no right or wrong. You know, if someone thinks that a minor uh, triad sounds scary um, or sad, one of my young boys uh, calls them bummer triads. Oh, I'm singing bummer triads. I'm like, whatever works for you, young man. <laughs> Um, and then, again, looking at the page, circling the note that might be different, that doesn't take up a lot of time in a vocal lesson. It really doesn't. It's just a little bit of discovery. And we're getting our students comfortable and recognizing the patterns that they see on the page in front of them. I have had some transfer students in the past who have been singing for long times, so they're a little bit older, they're in their teens, and they've never, uh, they've never 
really been encouraged to look at the music. And when I put music in front of them, I mean, they're getting better, but it causes them a lot of stress. They, they literally look at the page and then look away. And they have this pained look on their face. The music makes them uncomfortable because they're looking at something that they don't understand. So we have to go back and we have to break it down. And we talk about what this symbol means and what this is. And again, circling things. And I don't need them to look at the, the stand for the entire warm-up. But I do want to have some conversations about what they see. And it's getting easier for them. So there's uh, uh, tip number one, tip number two, and tip number three. And this is, this is something that I torture my little students with all the time, including my adults. It's not just my, I torture everyone. <laughs> they should just know better. Um, theory concepts. There's certain theory concepts that I believe we need to explain to our singers, which helps them to perform specific exercises better. Now we're looking at the spooky vocal warm-up page, which is minors, uh, minor scales, minor triads, arpeggios. There's a there's a, a diminished seventh on there. Um, again, we didn't use a key signature and we didn't use double flats, but uh, we wanted I wanted my students to hear that sound and talk about that sound. But one of the things that I always make sure that my singers understand, some definitions. And what I've done with my singers is just have them flip the page over, the spooky warm-up page, and we write this on the back. And the first one is theory concepts that they need to understand. So the first definition that I need my students to understand is the definition of what is an interval. And I ask my students that so much that sometimes when I ask them, they roll their eyes and they sigh and they, they look at me very exasperated and they go, an interval is the distance between two notes. I think that's one of the basic theory concepts that our singers really need to understand. It helps them when they're learning to sight sing. It helps them when they're working in harmony. It really is a simple concept, and and I've had conversations about it. We talk about different types of intervals on the piano. We talk about the challenge of singing really large intervals, and I'll do an exercise with an octave jump, and the challenge of doing very small intervals. And that's the other theory concept that I need my students to know. What is a semitone? And I like them to use the word interval. A semitone is the smallest interval. When they have that image in their head, they they tighten up their chromatic passages. That's always a challenge for singers is they, they, they don't move. Uh, they, they, move they take tones um, or, or they move in, in bigger intervals that, that don't work. And so the semitones that concept of semitone, the definition of semitone, is another one that I need them to understand, especially if we're going to be singing chromatic passages. And what's really great is when they see a chromatic passage in their repertoire, I'll often point it out and I'll be like, what is that? Oh, semitones. They sing it better. When they identify it and they know what it is, they sing it better. The other thing that I have noticed with a lot of my singers uh, is the concept of accidentals. So just ask your students this week, what is an accidental? Hmm, 
Your students should know what an accidental is. So it's flats, sharps, and naturals. And then I ask them, well, what, what does a flat do? What does a sharp do? What does a natural do? And again, I use the piano as a reference. We talk about it. We circle them on the page. And they sing it better. Now, for those of you who are using the full voice workbooks, um, in full voice workbook level two, we do get into chromatic uh, sol- solfege, solfa. Um, and now I don't, I don't really worry about the hand signs, but I prefer to teach the concept of minor triad using the lowered me, so may, so do, may, so, rather than la, do, me. The reason for that, now that's just my approach. Many of you may choose to do it the other way, and that is fine. But I want my students to understand the concept that a minor triad has the lowered third. So I find using chromatic uh, solfege, solfa, um, really does help to give you that image and to give them that image. I find they sing it better when I use that. That's just me. That's just me. But um, so if you're in the full voice workbooks, uh, the chromatic, um, the chromatic solfa is introduced at that level. Now, if I have a student that's just beginning, I'll explain to them that it's lowered and we call it may and we'll get into that later so that they understand the concept. And don't forget that for little ones, um, whiteboard activities Uh, go a long way. Uh, A lot of our young uh, singers, actually even some of our adults, uh, are, um, they need to write things out. It helps them understand, it helps them to process the concepts. And it's a, it's a good break. It's a, it's another activity that we can do in the lesson to keep them focused. So if you find your students are kind of zoning out on you, maybe they're a little tired, um, then move to a different type of exercise. My, my little ones love the whiteboard. My whiteboard has been well used, well loved. I'm going to have to get a new whiteboard soon. Um, and I use the um, I use the Ultimate Music Theory whiteboards. Uh, if you go to ultimatemusictheory.com, um, they have small student-sized whiteboards, which are like the size of a music stand. And then they've got the teacher whiteboard, which is big. And it's, it has the staff lines on it. And they're hard. They're hardboards. They're a great investment for your teaching studio. Um, I use both. Both the student and the teacher. In fact, the kids like writing on the teacher board, the big board, and I actually like writing on the little board. So it works out well. So ultimatemusictheory.com, their whiteboards are fantastic. Now, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about moving into repertoire. So we do all this really great work in the warm-up. We've injected more, more information, more really important concepts into the warm-up part of our lesson and we can take that and continue that into the repertoire part of their their lesson Um, and I love there are a lot of great spooky selections uh, for Halloween time Um, for those of you that um, use the Royal Conservatory voice series um, in level one there's a really cute little minor song it's called The Wind 
I love that one. That one's we've got some nice chromatic passages and a minor scale that where they emulate the wind. The wind's in a terrible hurry today. Ooh, lots of fun. Um, in level two, my favorite is someone. It's not a minor, but it's a creepy little song. It's about someone coming to your door, knocking, and you go to the door, and you look, and you listen, but you don't see anybody, and you just hear the creepy sounds in the forest. <laughs> yeah, that one creeps me out. Um, there's lots of great repertoire that we can dig into this time of year, and of course, before we get into Christmas music. And uh, just like we did in our warm-up part, asking questions in the repertoire and connecting it to the technical exercises. So if, if you've been working on a minor scale, then try to find a song that's minor and, and point out the similarities, um, maybe get them to circle their music where the minor sounds are or the chromatic sounds are, the, the semitones. And when you pull a lesson like that together, uh, one, it feels really good. You know those lessons where you're just in the flow and all the concepts you, you, you bring to your student, they're embraced and then they go, oh, and then you see the light bulbs go off in their heads. I love that. I love it when I see their faces light up and the concepts are like clicking and or they ask a really great question you know your students are engaged when they are asking you questions. That is, that, that is my favorite thing in a, in a lesson, when they make those, they put everything together and they have even more questions. Um, so I always try to point out similarities in the repertoire that we did in the, uh, in the technical exercises. And, uh, and that's the other thing too. If, if I'm doing technical exercises and I'm focusing on articulation, so like legato and staccato, I try to find a song that also has some articulation in it. And then they see it in the actual score. And again, they see that there's method to your madness. So <sighs> there you have it. There's our little uh, Halloween special podcast. And as always, I want to thank everybody for joining us on the podcast. If you haven't gotten your uh, spooky vocal warm-up. It is on our, our teacher resource page, our free resources. It's there for you to download. I hope you get a chance to torture your little ones and to dig into some really fun music theory and ear training concepts with them. And as always, I am wishing everyone an amazing teaching day, a happy Halloween, and... Spooky singing. You have been listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and free teacher resources, please visit our website at www.thefullvoice.com.